All right, episode eight of the Hot Grits podcast. Travis Jordan, Spencer Maddox here with you guys, and we are going almost exclusively NFL draft for episode eight. Uh, we had an awesome guest on for you guys. At the back end of this episode, you'll hear my interview with Ben Troop, who is now with ESPN Coastal in Savannah, but he is the former Florida Gator, Tennessee t- Titan tight end. Uh, he was drafted in the 2004 um, NFL draft by the Titans and he joins me for about 20 minutes about 15 to 20 minutes and tells some pretty funny stories from when he went through the combine and including a crazy story about him and, and former Vikings coach Mike Tice which I, I thought was really funny um, and he just gets into some stuff maybe some misnomers about the draft or some things that people think that aren't necessarily true um, and a bunch of other stuff so you guys will want to hear that that's at the end of this episode, episode number eight. But first, Spencer Maddox and I will talk about the draft from our vantage point as it starts Thursday night, round one Thursday night, rounds two and three on Friday night, and then the rest of the draft, uh, all 255 picks Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. The last four, five, six, and seven rounds will be on Saturday. So, Spencer, are you stoked for this draft? Uh, I'm stoked to see the circus that it's going to be. I want to see how they pull it off. Like, I mean, this is uncharted territory for them. I mean, it's uncharted territory for everybody, but uh, I've never really thought of the NFL as, like, technically savvy. Like, the the football guys around, you know, the coaches, those kind of guys. I never thought of them as technically savage. Uh, excuse me, savvy. So I want to see how that goes down. <laughs> they might be technically yeah, savage. Yeah, they definitely are technically savage. Especially Andy Reid's generic white socks. Jeez. Which, by the way, I wanted to All say times. it was a great interview with Ben. I, I got a chance to listen to it. It was good stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Isn't really he? cool guy. Yeah, and, and obviously he, he's been through uh, a lot in pro and college football at a high level that – none of us would ever have any clue about. So he sheds some light and he always kind of brings, I've talked to Ben a few times. Uh, I interviewed him one time for a feature uh, I did on him and uh, he always brings something different every time. I feel like he's a funny guy. Um, All right, Spencer, let's talk about this draft. And like, I don't want to get too uh, technical into into this, you know, like what each team is going to do because people will go elsewhere for that. Understandably so. But what I am fascinated with is how this draft has, in the lead-up to it, it hasn't been, uh, you know, that crazy in terms of trades, in terms of people moving. And I think it's a lot to do with this quarterback situation. That's kind of where I want to start, at least, is the top kind of tier of quarterbacks and the top tier of picks – those two things seem to go hand in hand because the non-quarterbacks, it seems like all of those guys up top, at least, are pretty guaranteed. I mean, they're pretty solid what each team is going to do at the, at the top yeah. of the draft. Well, you would, you would expect, obviously, Cincinnati's going quarterback. You wouldn't expect Washington to go quarterback. What do you think about Detroit? That's the, I mean, that's my question mark looking down at the draft board. Well, so I, I think it's obviously Joe Burrow. Right. Bengals, Chase Young, uh, Redskins, defensive end. Pretty much everybody has said bro Young right off the rip. Right. And then I think it's, I mean, I would think a lot. Like, I'm really confident 
that three and four, the Lions and the Giants are not going to go quarterback. Yeah. I, the Lions may go cornerback yeah. uh, or defense of some kind. And I, and I would think the Giants would, would have to go defense. Um, or If not, either one of those two spots could be spots that trades could happen in. Um, and then when it starts to shift, though, it's number five, right, with the right. Dolphins. I think – it would, it would be a huge surprise if the Giants – because they just went quarterback round one last year. I mean, I could maybe see Detroit going quarterback. It seems a little early, but I don't know if you go Tua. It, maybe because you still have Stafford, you could say we'll sit Tua for a year. Maybe, you know, maybe two years. Uh, that seems like a long time to sit your your first-round quarterback and then let him develop. But I feel like – I feel like Miami is the most likely landing spot, uh, but that's your team. What do you think? I mean, with Miami, like a bunch of people are starting to say Herbert now. Yeah. Like I would, I, I, I'm never sure of this team because, and this is shocking to hear out loud as a Dolphins fan. I know this like the back of my hand because it's so crazy. Since drafting Ryan Tannehill ten years ago. Uh, the Dolphins have drafted one quarterback. Unbelievable. One. And he was a seventh round pick. And so when they when you're talking about a franchise that doesn't have a quarterback, like a legitimate good quarterback since Dan Marino. Think about that. They have not had a they good quarterback tried. since Dan Marino. It's because they haven't tried, right? And so that's if if I'm the Lions, you could go quarterback there. I don't think they would just because of this. If they really want to go quarterback and someone to stock behind Matt Stafford, uh, you could find a quality quarterback. Round two, right? The late first round or round two. Yeah, round three. I mean, uh, like uh, Jake Fromm, um, Jalen Hurts, guys like that are going to be there uh, later in the first round at least. And and Fromm probably or definitely into the second round um, at the very least. So I don't think either one of the Giants or – the Lions go quarterback, but if the Dolphins can take their quarterback at five, their draft becomes pretty wild because then you have a pick at number 18. Uh, they got that um, from, I don't, I don't know how the Dolphins got the 18th pick, but they got it from a trade. Um, and then they have 26 as well. So that's three in the first right. round. Um, so they could do a, they could do a lot. With those, I, I don't know if they'll make all three picks, but they could do a lot with those. Um, uh, but let's get away from the Dolphins. Most yeah. people don't care about the Dolphins, understand, understandably so. I want to talk about the actual quarterbacks, though. All this stuff with Tua uh, and, his, and his injuries, um, it, it, it drives me wild that this stuff is just now starting to scare people away. And when I say people, I mean – people like Mel Kuyper and Todd Mache who do these mock drafts, but they talk to the people that are making the decisions. And so I, I just don't know what has changed from Tua from when the season ended and he was pretty much everyone's top guy uh, to now. And, and I'm scared shitless that the Dolphins are going to panic and do that. But if Tua falls past five, I wonder how far he falls. I mean, I can't imagine he falls past six. No, I mean, I don't think I don't think he makes it past Miami, man. I, I think that's blowing that's blowing smoke. But I mean, 
Chargers, the Chargers are drafting at yeah. six, and and they and they are probably going to need a quarterback. I yeah. would think, uh, and they're probably going to go quarterback. Um, but I would, I just think if the Dolphins think that Tua is hurt and they know something and they'd rather take Herbert and let like they because they don't think Herbert is better if everyone is one hundred percent healthy. There's no way yeah. they think that. Um, then the Chargers would have to think the same thing about Tua, right? Like they would have to know the same stuff injury-wise that would scare the Dolphins away. I, I'm um, not sure. I mean, and, and injuries, back- injuries and top-round draft picks are always really scary stuff because you're paying them a lot of money right off the rip. And owners get justifiably nervous. Uh, it's the same way in basketball. Owners get justifiably nervous because you can get – a top round player, I mean, a top talent that's healthy. He might not be as good as Tua, but you can get a stud that is healthy. And I mean, I, the gamble is real, but I would, I would say take Tua if I was Miami. I mean, hip yeah, injuries are I scary hope too, but if, if you thought this entire year that you're going to take Tua, why would you, you know, at the last minute, change your mind and that's what it seems like everybody's doing now that's what terrifies me no one's better at doing that than the dolphins um what what about the falcons your club at 16 um i mel kuyper right now has clevon chasen out of lsu who is uh you know by all accounts a stud at defensive end probably the best pass rushing guy in the draft outside of chase young who's going to go in the top three um, I, I don't – something about the Falcons taking um, an outside linebacker right here just seems so very Falcons-like, but they kind of have to. Right. The, the thing is, I mean, the two biggest holes on the Falcons are, I would say, defensive end and defensive tackle. And you have to – I mean, you have to replace Vic. You got to – I mean, you have to have an edge rusher in, in the game. You just have to. And I don't know if they go – because they're the Falcons, I don't know if they go D-end at 16. I think 29 other teams would. But, I mean, they never address it in the first round. They haven't in a long time, it seems to me. Right. Well, um, I mean, they, 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 they – yeah, they essentially just traded uh, Vic Beasley for Dante Fowler uh, this offseason. Um, and – from everything both of those guys have done in the past, that's more or less a wash. Uh, I like – I wish the Falcons would do something like uh, like cornerback at, at uh, – Well, yeah, that's, that, that, would be that, third, that would be their third need. And before, before we got uh, – excuse me, Gurley. Before we got Gurley, everybody was thinking running back. And now it was kind of a weird way to address that. And I've – from. What I've heard and from what I've read, a lot of Falcons fans still want them to address running back early in the draft, and I would love to see that. I kind of wanted to think, like, wanted to hear your opinion. What if they say, what if they got Yannick and Goku from the Jags, who wants out of Jacksonville right now? Clearly, yeah. addressing that DN. Do you think they would take somebody like Swift at sixteen when they just got Gurley? No, I don't. Just be, just because, I, and I think they might take a running back, but at sixteen. You, you can't take Swift because it's early, right? Well, yeah, just because I could argue, uh, it, you know, J.K. Dobbins. How much worse is he going to be 
out of Ohio State than Swift. I think Swift is prototypical NFL running back, and I think he's going to have it uh, wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, and and he could I, – I mean, I could definitely see him going in the first round. But Yeah. But I just don't think 16 would be the spot. If you're going to do that, and I know it's not as easy as it sounds, if you're going to draft a guy at 16 that you know is going to be there at 20, you had better be doing everything you can to get back to 20. Right. Does that make sense? And, and acquire some sort of talent. Like you don't want to be reaching um, for a guy. And man, this is the draft. This this is the draft. If you're a contender, this is the draft. If you're a contender, that you would want to trade up and get a Chase Young. Because, I mean, what's Washington going to do with Chase Young? He's going to be there for ten years. But I mean, I mean, maybe you know, it's, it's the NFL. But let's say he has a ten-year career. They don't. They're not set on the offensive side of the ball yet. They're not. They're not really a contender. And taking a D end when you're not. Yeah, but I think Chase Young is so. Chase Young is so. I mean, he's right. about as guaranteed. And that's as what I'm gets. saying. If you were a contender, uh, I mean, and, and yeah, it's just going to fall a contender, in their lap And you had the draft capital to trade up to two. This would be the year, and we've seen the Falcons do that in the past. We saw them do it with Julio, and. Man, I, it right. it kills me that they won those extra four games when they didn't need to, and they basically did it because Dan Quinn had to keep his job. You know, <laughs> how wild is that? Yeah, if you get the interim, you, if the Falcons got rid of Dan Quinn uh, after he started to own a billion, um, the interim comes in. Chances are, they at least have a look. Yep, at Chase Young this week. Uh, that's a fact. I mean, if they continued on the same trend, shit, they'd have a look at the number one overall pick, and then they could trade to two, maybe, because the number one would probably be Burrow still. But either way, those games they won, they dropped all the way back to 16, and it kept Dimitrioff uh, and Quinn from being fired. Dimitrioff yeah. to me is even worse than Quinn. Um, I, I just I, – I've always thought that that guy – has been given a leash that he lengthens himself. Like it's the longest leash ever, but he's the one seemingly in charge of it. And I mean, at some point you got to know what I know about this ain't working. Arthur blank and how he operates. I didn't think there was any chance that Dan Quinn got fired this year. And that were, there was a lot of smoke and, you know, a lot of people were saying fire Dan Quinn, but that's just not how, that's just because not they how were they playing operate. Awful. It's just not, they don't, they don't tend to panic and they don't they don't pull the trigger quick. It it's probably to their detriment. It definitely is to their detriment, excuse me. But I mean, there's a lot to be said about continuity. And I mean, it is that is a Super Bowl caliber offense. And it will remain as such as long as they have those guys around. I mean, it might not be an elite, elite offense anymore, but if you put a solid defense around them, what we were supposed to get with Dan Quinn, that Matt Ryan, those guys, Julio Jones, all those guys. I mean, it's so frustrating to see those names on the side of the ball and then put up loss after loss after loss. It sucks. Yeah, and then they win exactly. at the exact wrong time. Like, it's just welcome to the world of the Dolphins, man. Imagine doing that over and over again. The Dolphins went seven and nine or. They went seven and nine, eight and eight, or nine and seven for seven consecutive years. Uh, like that is that is off. That sucks. 
There's nothing worse than drafting between 13 and 18 for almost a decade. I mean, it's infuriating. That's how you end up with guys like I did want to ask you, I don't know if you saw the Jags cut Marquise Lee this past, I think it was today. Like, surprisingly, Ian Rappaport came out and uh, he broke that news. Um, Yeah, right before the the draft. And he was, I mean, one of their most productive wideouts. Where would you put wideout on their list of needs? Would you put it ahead of uh, D-line and quarterback? Quarterback? Yeah, the Jaguars. You mean Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, wideout would have to have to be uh, at near the top of their needs. But the thing is that like everyone is saying this is like a historic, like a historically receivers. deep right. draft in terms of wide receivers. So you wouldn't want to draft one high because yeah. shit, you could probably get one two rounds later. So you think that's almost as good? You know what I mean? And there are, dude. If you look at the wide receiver groupings in this draft. I mean, I, I love 20 of them. There are so many good wide receivers in this draft. Half of them played for right. with Joe Burrow at LSU. Um, but there are so many receivers. And, you know, if I'm a team that doesn't – and I heard – I forget where I heard this. I think it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah that, that said this, um, an NFL draft guy for NFL Network. Uh, it's kind of like uh, a basketball team, the wide receiver group is, right? You want You need a big guy. You need a speed guy. You need a guy that can uh, hit over the middle. It's kind of like that. And so you, if you build your wide receiver core right. that way, and the Falcons have kind of done this, then you're almost assured to, to have, uh, you know, a really, really good receiving core. I've seen people suggest that uh, guys that are already at the top, guys like Jerry Judy from Alabama, um, and then, like we just said, uh, the LSU, Justin Jefferson um, is, is probably the one guy out of LSU. Then you have Henry Ruggs, also from guy. Alabama. Guys like that might start going quicker than we soon, or quicker than we think, or sooner than we think. And then that would might create some sort of avalanche where wide receivers are taken uh, quicker than we think. Um, that's something I'm really excited to see. There are so many My good question players would be, at wide receivers. And I think you, you basically already answered this. But since they did just open up that spot at wide receiver, could you see them maybe if they took a wide receiver at 20? Because they do have two first-round picks, and almost every mock draft I've seen has them taking a left tackle at nine. Do you think they maybe could go wide receiver at 20, maybe take Higgins? They could go that route. I mean, I, I would have no – I mean, if I was a Jaguars fan, I'd have no problem with them taking a receiver at nine. I really I, I really would. I really wouldn't. No, not – I mean, at nine, you could take yeah, probably the best receiver in the draft, whoever you deem that to be. I mean, I would think Jerry yeah. Judy. I like Jefferson a lot. I like you got Jefferson to see him a lot, play a lot but, this uh, year. I mean, Jerry Judy there, you could do that. Because, because like, nine – you know, nine and twenty, you're you're not going to draft receiver at both, but you could draft whoever you wanted to draft at nine. If it wasn't receiver, at you 20. could probably draft that position close closely at twenty. Um, Sands, Pat, you you won't really get uh, a pass rusher that's you know the quality of what you would get at nine. But I don't know. There's a lot to. I mean, there's there's a lot of good players, and you know what's awesome about this draft, Spencer? There are so many power five players like 
essentially household colleges that they're coming from. You don't see a lot of like yeah, true. Southern Indiana's in the first round, which sometimes that's sometimes Very that's true. how it is. A lot of household names too. I mean, it was kind of a crazy year in college football. Uh, looking back on it, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's a random <laughs> assessment, but yeah, that's like, true. You had you had Jalen Hurts out in out in Oklahoma. You had, I mean, I don't know. There was so many, yeah. Yeah, the year of the transfer, right? Um, I, I, do you think, do you think the Pats would do something crazy at quarterback in this draft? I don't know. I don't feel like Bill Belichick wants to bring in a young guy. I feel like they want to go. I, I would be more surprised if they didn't get one of Jameis or uh, Cam. I mean, but do those guys seem like nah, Patriots man. guys? Yeah, I mean that's the problem. There's not really like a Patriot guy out there, but I mean everybody. Yeah, yeah it's everybody just Brady. Brady's the guy you think of. In has changed to the Patriots' way, though. I feel like they're they're almost arrogant about that at this point. I mean, they, bro, they brought in Randy Moss, one hundred percent they are, and made him like by year two he was Wes Welker. He did everything they asked him to do. The guy well, was, you, what do you mean? Like, yeah, the, the guy was first a cancer, guy in, last every, guy out. Every, I won't say cancer. That'll take, that'll make a lot of people mad. But yeah, he wasn't the that, best that's teammate for on the Raiders. He wasn't the best teammate on the Vikings, and they brought him in the Patriots, and I mean, made him the best wide receiver in football in a year. So I don't see why they couldn't do the same thing with quarterback. True. Well, they couldn't do but it I with mean, Antonio Brown. Ugh, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Randy Moss was that way off the field. Yeah, and they got, straight saw, cash, they got rid really? of Antonio Brown in one game. Took them one game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't take them long. Did not take them long. Um, I, I, I could see – who would you rather have uh, on your NFL team if you're starting uh, tomorrow, I would Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason? You a similar question. I would rather have Jacob Eason. All right, ask I me would, your question, and we'll decide which question is better, and then the other person. I will was answer. just going to ask, as a Georgia fan, where you see Jake from falling in the draft. That was that was the, the end of my question. Yeah, I mean, a great I'm, question, sure, I'm sure a lot of Georgia fans are sitting around. We, a let's lot stick of with my question. You answer that after you know what I mean. Like, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. Obviously, like with my job in the last couple of years, I didn't, I wasn't following him very closely. I wasn't invested in the individual players, but I like Jake Fromm. I mean, I think, you know, he's worth the chance in the middle rounds, but I, I don't, I mean, I cannot envision a time where he's going to be slinging it around in today's NFL with not great mobility. Uh, and Jacob Eason's sort of the same way, he's like rocket arm uh, and an NFL prototypical quarterback. Five yeah. years ago, when he left high school, but problem is the NFL's changed since then. Uh, clearly, look around the league, and I wonder—that's what I wonder with the Patriots. Are they going to go to a guy? I mean, because when they pick their guy, it'll be clear. Like, I don't think they're going to go. You know, Tom, they're not going to find Tom Brady in the sixth round in this draft. I think. Are they going to go athletic quarterback and kind of adapt to the times? or a guy that fits the offense that they've always ran uh, and just kind of the statue that can sling the hell out of it. I mean, watch I, them take Jake that Fromm. to me is very interesting. 
or Jacob Beeson. Yeah, I don't, or Jacob I could Beeson. See I could see Beeson either one of those. Uniform for some reason. I could totally see Jake Fromm in a patch uniform. 110%. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Program guy. Program building guy. Um, Are you ready for all the terms that are going to come this weekend, such as freak and animal? Um, jumps <laughs> off the film. Yeah. Man, or jumps off the page. How many first one in last one, one out? You know what I mean? High character guy. Right. Yeah. At some point, you're like, this is just a draft of freaks. Or every NFL player. I want no part of Why it. Why don't we just go ahead and say that? They're all freaks. What about uh, what about white wide receivers? Right. Caucasian wide receivers? Um, some synonyms for that. I mean, we, we always, you know, what was that, the league? They started that first one in last one. Yeah, out. yeah. Uh, I like uh, second he's, coach he's a on really, the field. He's a locker room guy. You know what I mean? Small hands, all yeah. of them. Yeah. High character is great too. That's like, uh, I mean, what? Like, how, how do you like? How do you achieve high high character? If you're white and you're a receiver. Eyes? You're a slot receiver. That if you're white, you're Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck would make a great slot receiver. I'm anxious to see how it works with all this teleconferencing and stuff that they're going to do. Um, I really need Andy Reid to just accidentally show up in the <laughs> middle of the screen and he can't figure out how to, how to get himself off. You know what I mean? And it's just his mug for like four Just or five a little seconds. bit of something on his beard or on his shirt. Um, you know what I mean? He's using the camera as like a mirror, and he keeps readjusting it. He's trying to get that thing out of, out of his front two teeth. He just keeps readjusting it, it's like and smiling, kind of like a in. snarl. Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yeah, he just puts his ear. He just puts his ear right there on the. <laughs> yeah, that that would be great. Um, I wonder how much Mel versus Todd we're gonna get. I mean, I've always been I've always been a Mel guy, but I would assume. Yeah. yeah, you strike me of as course. a male guy. He's old school. You, are you a Todd guy? Todd, 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 Todd. I think I'm a Todd guy, but I think I'm just now realizing that. Oh, like, literally man. right now as we're talking He's about the it. Golden I think boy, I'm a Todd dude. guy. Who likes the golden I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I what does know. that say about me? Yeah, what does that say about me? I would think it says you're an only child, Shit. but I know you're not. Uh, it's uh, like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Everyone's got one when they're coming up. But then you have that one jackass that's always like, what about 98 <laughs> Degrees, bro? Those, well, uh, that, that third guy what, used to be Mike Mayock, uh, for sure. So I, I think there's a void, right? There, we need a uh, 98 I don't Degrees. Know. A third uh, guy Todd Schill could have been the lead singer of 98 Degrees, and I would have had no problems with that. Like, you could have said that, and I would have been like, yeah, that's true. That sounds like a true thing. Ja- Mel Kiper, Mel Kiper, Good Jerry point. Melrose, and uh, I'm I'm forgetting his name right now. The the box, uh, Teddy Atlas. I need them in a room together. You know what I mean? Those three guys. Those three guys. Well, Mel Kiper um, would be fine in a room for days as long as he just had like a little bucket or something to pee in, because he doesn't go to the bathroom <laughs> during the draft. I remember that story. That was awesome. Um, I, uh, he's talking draft analysis. The, no one. I think that. Yeah, yeah, he's just 
uh, running around the room, like checking his hair and making sure that he knows the vertical of the defensive end from Toledo oh, Falls geez, College. Man. Can you imagine that? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I can't, I can't imagine doing the draft like. Like, right. First the off, the draft. I'm so ready exactly. for this draft the, the to be draft over just because, like, not fun. And I, I hate anybody. It's no, yeah. it's soul crushing. It's, it's agonizing. anxiety ridden. Like, because I mean, really, you're not going to get like, unless you're drafting quarterback, you're not going to really get a franchise changing player. One, so it's not like the NBA. It's not. I mean, you don't say that. You don't say that. Hopefully, the they drop quarterback this year. But I mean, typically, um, you ready? You ready to? You ready to kind of call it there, dude? I, I want to. I do want to ask you if you have any uh, jerseys or anything like that, or a hat that you wear. I've got my Falcons. Uh, I've got my Falcons shirt, but I don't. I don't typically wear that on draft day. That's for. That's for Sundays. No, I'm, dude. I'm. I'm just watching my phone on draft day. I don't even watch the draft. Really. Oh, me too. Yeah, it'll be exclusively phone. But I went uh, – I think I'm going to go throwback this year, which are all my Dolphins jerseys because every time I get one, they trade the guy. Um, I'm going to go Ronnie Brown this year because that was a successful Hell pick yeah. in the top five. And I think we're going to do the same thing this year. I cannot go yeah. with my Ted Ginn. This will be – Cannot go with my Brandon. This will be the first year go with either one because there's literally nothing else on that I actually watch, like the pre-draft coverage and then watch the entire first round on TV. In years, every other year, I'm just watching on my phone, but I'll actually watch it this year. And and the oh, NFL yeah. loves nothing more to hear that. All right, we'll leave it right there. We're gonna get you guys to our interview now with Ben Troop. Uh, I talked to Ben about a number of things. Um, not, I did not talk to him about his time at Florida or his game-winning catch over Georgia in the early 2000s. Um, still, sort of blame Thomas Davis for that one, but I do talk to him about being drafted. Uh, second in the second round in the 2004 draft by the Tennessee Titans. He tells a crazy funny story about Mike Tice grilling him um, on weaknesses at the NFL combine in 2004 um, and talks a lot about the draft that, uh, and gives a lot of information that I think you guys will find pretty interesting. So that'll be coming up next. And then we'll hit you guys for episode nine uh, next week. Uh, Until then stay safe. Joined now by Ben Troop of ESPN Coastal. Uh, ben, no stranger to the NFL draft as he was drafted uh, in the second round by the Titans in 2004, former uh, Florida Gator. I know that's not uh, that's not great news for a lot of our listeners, but uh, Ben, thank you for joining us. Ben, thanks for having me. Okay, Ben, what I wanted to do was kind of ask you uh, about your experiences first uh, in the NFL draft. Obviously, a lot's changed since you were drafted in in 04 but a lot of it I I would think has stayed the same too uh if you could go back and remember kind of what you were thinking uh in the weeks and days leading up to the draft and I guess how nerve-wracking was it oh it was uh it's a lot of uncertainty uh the one thing about it is I mean from the time you uh play your last game I played in the bowl game in Outback Bowl against uh against uh, Iowa, and then uh, after the bowl game, uh, right after the bowl game, our strength coach was giving out invites uh, to the NFL Combine. That's kind of when everything really started hitting home. It's like this thing is real. Then I went through uh, trying to go through the process uh, with the compliance office of trying to find an agent, ended up picking Joel Siegel. 
I uh, had a plethora of uh, options, though. And, um, you know, my agent really helped me out throughout the entire process because obviously he had been through that process so many times and kind of telling me what I could expect. I uh, ended up working out in uh, New Orleans with Tom Shaw in uh, Canada, Louisiana, which is like a like on the outskirts of New Orleans. And, um, you know, it was a whirlwind, man, from going to see teams, to going to the combine, to having a pro day, to finally getting drafted, uh, you know, 40th overall. It all was a blur. It was it was a blessing, but the thing about it is, is everybody seems to think they know where they're going to get drafted. I always tell people I knew I was going to get drafted once my phone rung because, you know, from the from the mail copy big boys to you know, obviously it wasn't no social media back then, but reading all the magazine clippings, going on the internet and seeing where they got you going in all these mock drafts, you know, you you know, you always think you're going to go higher than what you think you probably should, or and maybe that naiveness kind of helped me out through the entire process, but. I wouldn't trade it uh, for anything. It was a blessing uh, to know that because you forget how many guys are actually coming out for the draft right. and to know that, you know, uh, I had a high enough grade to where a team saw me as being their number one pick. I mean, I thought, I mean, personally, I thought I was going to either the Green Bay Packers or the Carolina Panthers, but the Tennessee Titans, uh, they uh, actually moved out of the first round back into the second round to get another pick, uh, two picks behind me, which was Travis the boy out of Hawaii. But, I wouldn't trade it, man. I would, you know, the thing about it is, I know what these players are going through. It uh, doesn't matter when you get drafted, uh, how many years removed. You always look to see who got drafted at your at your uh, at your uh, you know uh, pick. But it's 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 unknown, man, because it's so much information now with so many mock drafts, and, and and everybody got you know opinions. All these shows, from NFL Network, the ABC, the ESPN, the CBS, yeah. Fox. You don't know what to go off of. So I would just say enjoy it because, you know, me and BJ was talking about this earlier, man. Uh, you have to enjoy this process and know, man, that you did a great job, whether you hear your name called or not, because I got drafted in 2004. And to me, not arguably, but the greatest slot receiver of all time, Wes Welk was in our draft and he went undrafted. So that just lets you know, man, it's a it's a crap shoot. But you do hope uh, that you do hear your name called, but you got to know that you still did all you could to put yourself in this position, even if you don't hear a call. And Ben, we, we hear guys all the time say stuff like, you know, I don't I don't pay attention to the mock drafts or I don't read what what someone has has projected me at. Uh, how how true is that? Do guys not look at that stuff? I mean, I know a lot of them don't put stock into it. But they got to at least be looking at it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing about it is it's probably not flattering. You know, it's one of them things yeah. to where nobody – listen, I, I understand uh, that you're never ever as good as they say you are, but you're definitely not as bad as they say you are. You got to – you know, you got to uh, you got to understand that this is a job for these people. And the thing is, with everything has gotten, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot crazy, a lot more heightened. When you think about recruiting, how crazy it's gotten. When you think about uh, just just the magnitude of these players, we knew who Trevor Lawrence was well before he signed to Clemson, as well as Jake Fromm, as well as, you know, all these big-name players coming out. And yeah. the thing is, when the draft comes around, you know, you don't know how these 32 owners are thinking. We got to go off time and and Mel Kiper. Mel Kiper said uh, that Jimmy Clausen back in the day, he said if Clausen doesn't become a big-time player in the NFL, I'll retire. Well, last <laughs> time I checked, Mel Kiper is still doing it. So I think that what happens is you got to learn to deal with criticism. You got to learn to deal with analytics because everybody got a job to do. And, uh, and unfortunately, sports are huge in America, none bigger than football. So, yeah, they watch, they look at it. I mean, and the thing about it is, I know this is crazy, 
I know everybody thinks that Joe Burrow is going to go number one. I would not be surprised if Cincinnati did something crazy because that's the draft. We just we just think we know, but we don't know. But, uh, yeah, they watch Travis, man. I mean, they listen to it. They just don't like what they hear. They don't like what they see. But, unfortunately, it's only going to get worse once you actually, uh, you know, get picked up by a team. Right. And for you, Ben, as a former player, I know a lot of current players and guys in college – they kind of are, you know, I don't know if they're upset, but but it kind of rubs them the wrong way that numbers at a combine or the size for quarterbacks, the size of your hands, uh, matter sometimes, it seems like, almost as much as what they did on Saturdays. Does that bother players that they could play four years, say, in the SEC, and, and that sometimes it comes down to what you run uh, at a combine? Oh, yeah, and it should, and it should. I mean, but – you know what's funny? I mean, the one thing that the one thing that the NFL and nobody planned on was this, you know, coronavirus, this COVID nineteen, and yeah. Chase Young didn't do anything. He just showed up at the. He just showed up at the combine, looking how we looked, and he's going on. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it the measurable? Is it the height? Is it the weight? Or, or, or does it come down? Does it come down to the fact that you, you don't do it? So I say, man, uh, I speak to that because I didn't do anything in the combine. I didn't do anything in the combine, but show up, height, weight, and in a bunch of interviews, and I and I mind you, that's not that's not coming for me. I wasn't like a Chase Young. I think what happened was, you're not, if you don't do anything, Kellen Winslow won't do anything. And obviously, we didn't know there was going to be a mutant from the University of Georgia named freaking uh, Ben Watson that was going to do 35 on the bench, run like a 4 5 40, and then like 49 right. on the Wonder League. But yeah, it's nice and fast. You know, just think about this. If I've never been fast, what do you think a 40 is going to do? Prove that I'm not fast. <laughs> if I've never jumped high, I'm not going to just add them up they want to train, and so they want to break down how you are athletic. I, I guess, but hey, man, Isaiah Simmons is a freak, you know. But we So I don't know, man. I don't know how to go about these analysts. I think these coaches and these GMs and these scouts be trying to break down every single aspect to try to work it against you. That way, when you get drafted or don't, they try to tell you, oh, because of that. All right, Ben, and I know one of the, uh, you know, more talked about processes for uh, potentially drafted players every year are those meetings where they're asking questions, uh, you know, NFL teams are asking questions. Uh, for you, when you went through that process, did you get any strange questions or any questions that kind of surprised you as far as, like, if they were relevant or not? Yeah, uh, Mike Tice, uh uh, who used to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings way back in uh, two, you know the early two thousands? Mm-hmm. He kept he kept asking me, um, you know, what is my biggest weakness? And I'm like, well, coach, I, I said, you know, I don't feel as though I have a weakness. I just I think I got an all around game. And he got and he kept asking me, well, you know, what do you think your game needs to work on the most? I say, well, I mean, I think I and I kept telling him <laughs> I'm a complete I'm a complete player. And, and and what he didn't realize was I'm like, look, man, I'm not I'm not here to listen. I'm not here to. I'm here to sell myself. When when is anybody sold themselves based on what I lack or 
how am I calm? I gotta make myself be the most appealing prospect by telling you what I lack. I get um he's looking for a certain answer. And I told him, I said, Look, man, if you're looking for a guy to talk about their weakness, you got the wrong guy in the room with you. You need to ask one of these other dudes because it's almost like and I said, Well, coach, when you're trying to get when you're trying to get hired as a head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, when you came in there talking about why, listen, man, I'm not that good at this, I'm not that good at that, I'm not that good at this, but I can coach. And he was getting curious. Now mind you. I'm looking at the Minnesota Vikings. They were not good at the time. So I'm thinking, look, I'm, in my mind, I'm not saying this out loud. I'm like, who are you? Like, you act like, yeah. like, like in a sense to where I am, I respect you as a coach and what you're doing. But just because you're a head coach in the National Football League don't mean you're an effective one. Don't mean you're a good one. So it, it, those are the hardest things, man. To be in. They're trying to play mind games with you. You know, they're trying to. You know, Cleveland had a shrink. They had a real psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever in there asking you crazy questions like, would you rather be on a, a playoff team? Would you rather be on a, a Super Bowl team that, that loses the Super Bowl or you'd rather be a pro bowler on a, or, you know, uh, you know, you'd rather be a pro bowler that didn't make the playoffs? I'm like, well, I'd rather be both. I'd rather be a pro bowler on a Super Bowl team. And I think what happens is, Travis, you forget the fact that this is a selling process. This is a major interviewing process. And, I just remember going through the process when I was going through down there with Tom Shaw. They told me, Ben, it is not your job to highlight your weaknesses. Do not go in there talking about your weaknesses. And I kept saying, well, why do they keep saying? Because I didn't know that he was prepping me for what they was going to be asking me about, basically what I lacked. But I'm looking at these guys like, look, man, when it came to the tight ends, you did not have to say you want to have a meeting with me. You could have said, well, I don't want to talk to him because you wasted my 15 minutes, man. I could be talking to somebody who potentially going to gonna draft me, but – I mean, that's man. It's, it's a, it's a, it's one. Of the, it's a back and forth type thing, man. It's just like most interviews. The, the person doing the interview and know they got the upper hand on the person being interviewed, so they just right. they just ask them all kind of nonsense. And I guess they're really trying to see how much you're gonna take. And I, and a lot of times when I'm frustrated, you can see it in my face. I might not be expressing it like verbally, but I'm like, man, please hurry up and let this bell ring or this horn go off so I can get out of here. Because I'm like, dude. I don't want to. I don't want to play for coaches who try to play my games, especially when at the end of this thing, most people don't even know who Mike Tice is. You see what I'm saying? So it's not like right. Bill Belichick. So I, I think that I did. Listen, listen. I, I, I did the song and dance for him, man. You know, I, I, you know, I did everything they asked me to do outside of the, you know, the jumping high and the running fast and, and all that. But I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take it back, man, because I understand that I didn't set these parameters. The NFL set their own parameters as far as like where they do the combine, how they do the combine. And I did everything. I did everything I had to do. If I did not have to do it, I ain't do it. So, and it still worked out in my favor, thank God. But I think it had more to do with what I did at my time in Florida and far less than what I did for three days in Indianapolis. Awesome, Ben. One more for you, um, if you could. Is there one thing or, you know, even a couple of things that people – like myself and most people who have never been a part of the NFL draft, uh, is there one thing that kind of you know that, that they don't know or one thing that people think that isn't true about this process or about the draft? I mean, I, obviously everyone is a draft expert from a distance, but is there anything that people don't get about this process and about maybe even draft night? Uh, the, the the biggest thing that people don't get is, man, I mean, how do you pass the time between when the player plays his last game, whether he's coming out as a junior or going through the process as a senior? Like, the draft, I mean, uh, the, this process, you got to find ways to pass the time with these with these coaches because and these players because it's, it's 
the draft is necessary. Pro days, I think, are necessary. Not the combine, but 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 it's a, it's a, it's another way to pass the time. I mean, think about it. Some guys don't make bowl games, but they still get invited to the East West Shrine. They still get invited to the Senior Bowl and all these different things. It's a way coaches. All coaches do is evaluate. That's what they do most of the time, every day. From watching film to going to team meetings to going to staff meetings, they're constantly in evaluation mode. And we kind of and what people don't get is we get to go into the mind of a coach from the from the lab, from the national championship game on to the draft. That's what you're doing. So when people go, why don't most people like coaches? Because it's boring. See all this stuff they do all the time, and, and mind you, all of them do it. And I would, and I would, and I would make sure people understand too. By the time, by forget the draft, most coaches know who they want. By the time, by the time they get to the combine, that's a, that's a meet and greet. They already got their boards up. This isn't no. Oh, I don't know who I want. Yes, yes, you do. You got scouts that go out to all these schools throughout the course of the year. Mm. So when they, so they know who's good. They know who got a chance, who has a high ceiling, and all these different things. So for those people who be thinking, oh, man, this kid went from a second round to a first round. I know he didn't. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things that we know. Like, now you're going to have some shockers. You're going to have the Makai kid, uh, uh, the Makai Beckley kid out of Louisville. Mm-hmm. I said, but does it really matter that he ran a 4 or 5 point? He's 365 pounds. He's an offensive lineman. Yeah. What is he running 44? I think that's great. You know, but but I think what happens is people need to know it's just a process that we've gotten numb to because the NFL sets the parameters. And and I think that if people understand the fact that the, the NFL is too sophisticated of a league to not already have everything in place by the time, you know, the season is over. Meaning, if all they played was the season, if they did no pro days, if they did no no combine, if they the draft would look exactly the same. People would go exactly where they were gonna go had they not done all that stuff. But what it does for us is it gives us more information. Oh, he ain't that fast. Oh, he ain't that big. Oh, he can't throw. You know, right. Justin Herbert said at the at the one at the at the goal line, flat footed and threw the ball. You know, to like the other forty. That's not impressive. You know why? Because he's never gonna do that. He's right. never gonna do that. And at the end of the day, the NFL decides who the hype train is. No one knew who Carson Wentz was coming out of college, but they said his name so much because they knew he was going to go high. So let's say his name for three months so we know who he is. So he become a household name, even when most people don't even know what North Dakota is, let alone South Dakota. They don't even know what that is on the map. But that's what happens. So the hype train is real. The nonsense is prevalent because they're going to do it. But the draft will be the same if you took away all these, you know, bells and whistles. But as I say, you know, uh, travel whenever this coronavirus gets under control and if we do get back to normalcy, we're going to be right back to it again. And we're going to be watching the draft and the Shrine Bowl and the, and the Senior Bowl like we always have. Because unfortunately, we've been, we are addicted and our drug of choice is obviously football. Yeah, yeah, I can confess to that, too, as well. Ben, do you want to let everyone know how they can follow you and listen to you guys? Um uh, on the radio show up there in the Savannah area. Oh yeah, man! I always, uh, I always go to ESPNCoastal uh, dot com between the hours of uh, you know at three and six at the streamline uh, the, the, the stream the show with myself, uh, BJ Bennett, Kevin Thomas on three and out. Uh, myself and BJ Bennett also uh, have a podcast right now, Southern Pigskin Live podcast that goes up on southernpigskin dot com as well as our Facebook page. And you can always follow me on our uh, Twitter and Instagram at BenTrue eighty four. Awesome, Ben. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, uh, have fun watching the draft this Thursday. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ben.